Welcome to the Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. We're going to be um, thinking a little bit over the next few weeks of like the key things that make us the church. And today I want to speak to you about worship. Um, I'm going to be accompanied by Charlotte, just because I thought it would be fun, um, just because I might break into song at any point. But, um, you know, thank you. Thank you. Calm down. Those of you online, you can mute yourselves, but the guys in the room don't have that option. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about why when we gather, we worship. Whether you're online, you'll have had a time of worship. Whether you're in the room today, you walk in like, what's all the singing? I mean, is it that God is just really really, really like into karaoke. That's like his thing. You know, God wakes up on a Sunday morning. He's like, I love karaoke. You can think of nothing better than getting people in a room and they're going to put the words up on the screen and then we're going to sing. Is God into karaoke? Well, the answer is, of course, it's far bigger than that. What I want to speak to you about today is something that I feel God has been reminding me about. Simply this, that God is calling us as the church into a season of singing again into a season of singing. If you'd said to me like a year and a half ago or like Christmas 2019, it's going to be completely illegal to sing. I mean, of all the things that I thought we might get in trouble with for church, you know, the singing bit, I didn't think that would be it. But if you'd said to me, hey, it's going to be illegal for you to come to church and to sing, we're all going to have to stand there and like have face masks and not sing. I'd have never believed you. And it's not until something goes that you realize how much you miss it, how much you need it. Do you remember when Instagram broke like 10 days ago? Do you remember that? Some of you were like, you're living the pain. Six hours and nine minutes of Instagram being down. I was refreshing the same surfing meme, thinking what is going on with the world? It was apocalyptic. It's not until something goes that you miss it and you realize how much you need it. In the same way with singing, you know, we turned up at church. It was like, oh, it's just heartaching. There's a lovely guy, I won't name him, but he came up to me and said, Al, I've got a confession to make. He said, all that time when you told us not to sing, behind my face mask, I was singing anyhow, like this. I was like, you know what, that's great, between you and God. But the point is, it's not until something goes, you realise how much you miss it and how much you need it. So I want to ask the question, why do we worship? Why does God call us to gather and sing? Is it like karaoke? Is it like the warm-up? What's going on? And I want to do this by turning to a passage in the Old Testament. In fact, a love poem called The Song of Songs. We did a wedding here on Friday, and this was the reading that they chose at the wedding. It was fabulous. It's a love poem between a bride and her bridegroom. And in fact, theologians, many theologians, consider it to be a little parable, a little love letter between Christ and the church. And in this heart of this story, we find this longing between the heart of God and our hearts, our needs, our wants, our desires, to be known and to be needed. So would you turn with me to Song of Songs, chapter 2, and it's going to appear on the screens um, behind me. And the reading says this. My beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. Would you say that with me? The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its fruit early. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. And then in verse 16, the bride says this, My beloved is mine, and I am his. My beloved is mine, and I am his. 
five things I want to share with you today on the season of singing. Five things that happen when we begin to worship together, when we gather and we sing. Number one is praise. What does that mean? Well, we praise as we enter and gather together. Praise is the, is the giving of yourself to God, saying, Lord, here I am to worship you. It's all about you. In fact, in the uh, Psalms, Psalm 100 says this, enter his courts with thanksgiving and his gates with praise. In the message translation of that verse, it actually says, enter the password is thank you. So when we gather and we worship, we begin by saying, thank you, God, for who you are. It's that moment we take our minds off our own inbox or our hearts, what's going on in our lives. And we realign ourselves with God. We say, Lord, we are choosing to lift you high above every situation in our lives. We're choosing to put the focus back on you, to realign our universe with you. So thank you. And even in times of tragedy and struggle and moments when you don't feel like it, choosing praise is to choose to say, you are on the throne of my life. It's an act of war. It's an act of declaration. It's an act of realignment. And let me tell you, it changes us more than it changes God. God doesn't need the praise of a bunch of people in East London on a Sunday morning. He calls us to enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise because something shifts in us. Something changes in our souls, in our spirits. And you know, in the uh, Psalms, if you read the Psalms, you'll hear this phrase over and over again, praise the Lord, exclamation mark. They would call the people to worship over and over again. Now in the Hebrew, the word praise the Lord was a phrase that had a number of different root translations. So we just translate them all as praise the Lord, because somewhere along the line, someone was like, we don't have any parallel words in the English language. So we're going to group them all together and just call them praise the Lord. But actually, if you dig into those Hebrew words, they are incredibly prescriptive. They are commands with an exclamation mark. Let me give you a couple examples. Uh, one is called, let me get this right in the Hebrew, tauda. Can you say tauda? It's a sort of um, a Hebrew word, obviously. It sounds a little bit Texan. Tauda. I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, and Tauda means this. Express visible thanks or adoration to God by extending the hands to God in reverence, coupled with offering a sacrifice of praise to God through an audible confession of thanks. You know, in the catacombs of Rome, the earliest descriptions carved into the stonework of the early church, first and second century, under persecutions, describes a Christian standing with their hands raised like this. So if you walk into a church like this and everyone's got their hands raised, you're like, oh no, I've walked into like some trendy, like happy, clappy, modern church. You have not. You have walked into an incredibly traditional Orthodox Christian church that has its roots in 2,000 years of Christian worship. If you walk into a church, everyone's sitting down with their hands in their pockets, looking at their feet. You can say to yourself, I have walked into the uber cutting edge of modernity in churches. Because since time began, the people of God have said, we praise you, Jesus. We thank you that you're bigger than our circumstance. And something changes when we respond with our bodies, our minds, our hearts, our souls, all that we are to God. We praise him. Another um, word in the Hebrew is the word halal, the root word of the word hallelujah. And the word halal means to rave, to boast, to shine, to shout, to dance, to be clamorously foolish. Halal is what footballers do when they've scored the winning goal in the final. They run around going, yay! 
Yay! It's the opposite. Actually, cricket has changed now, but it used to be, remember cricket, it was like if you won the ashes, there would be a little ripple of applause going around from the, from the stands. Nowadays, you go to cricket and everyone's like, Yay! That's a little bit more biblical in our response to worship. Worship is meant to involve our emotions, who we are, our whole bodies. So let me encourage us. I want us to be a church that is exuberant in our praise. Let's not miss out on the call to praise God. Amen? So number one, we praise. Number two, when we begin to praise, we come into the presence of God. James, verse, James chapter four, verse eight says this, come near God and he will come near you. Come near God and he will come near you. Next summer, the Queen will celebrate her platinum jubilee, 75 years as the Queen. I want to imagine you receive a letter in the post inviting you to attend the private VIP gathering, 10,000 people only on the uh, outside of Buckingham Palace. You're going to be allowed through the VIP cordon. And you get there on the day and you can get a perfect view of the balcony. And at a certain point on the day, the balcony doors open and the Queen comes out and does her wave. And you're like, yeah! And then she goes back inside and you go like, we want the queen. We want the queen. We want the queen. Then the doors open again. The queen comes back out and does her wave. She does her encore, does that whole thing. Now, I want you to imagine that moment. You're going, we want the queen. And this very smartly dressed man in a livery suit, gold braiding, red velvet, walks through the crowd. And he warms up to you and says, excuse me, madam. Your ma- Her majesty would love to see you. Would you come with me? And you're like, who, me? Come. And you follow him through the crowd and you get to the gates and the gates swing open. And then you go in through the kind of, the bit out the front where there's the guys with the bare skin and the, 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 the guns and they part out the way and they say, come on through. And then you go up the staircase into the ballroom and there at the end of the ballroom is a throne and sitting on the throne having a cup of tea is the queen. And she says, come on over, come on over. Now at this point, if you're still going, we want the queen, we want the queen, the security guard to be like, hey, it's okay, she's here. You see, praise leads us into the courtroom, into the throne room of heaven. And we come to this place where we draw near to the presence of God. As we come near to God, he comes near to us. And so we don't always have to keep on going, we want the king, we want the king. So we move from saying he is good to saying you are here. See, another translation of one of the Psalms says, God inhabits the praises of his people. As we gather and we worship together, it's Jesus who walks in the room as well. Jesus says, when two or three of you gather, I will be there as well. And that's why we gather and we praise and we move into the presence of God. And, you know, most of the time, like 90.9.99% of the time, I feel like my life's a mess. If you feel like, join the club too. We're not trying to pretend we're anything that we're not. That's why we need Jesus. We come to God saying, Lord, here we are. God doesn't say, stay away. He says, come. Come as you are. So second things that happened as we worship is we come into the presence of God. And in that place, thirdly, we experience proximity. One of our key values as a church. What does that mean? It means intimacy with God. The closest possible relationship, heart to heart, face to face, spirit to spirit with God. And you know, we live in a culture that's embarrassed about intimacy. Either we privatise it and put it behind a screen and it becomes something negative. 
But God calls each one of us to a place where we are deeply known by Him and loved. However messy our lives are, He's there saying, I love you. And that's the most extraordinary thing. I I find that for me, it's why I'm still here. It keeps me coming back. Intimacy unlocks our emotions, our spirit, our heart. It's that place where we pour out to God the reality of our lives. We tell him we love him. St. John Chrysostom said this, when you discover the door of your heart, you discover the gate of heaven. Intimacy, proximity means moving from you are good, you are here, to saying, I love you. I love you, God. I was 18 years old. I didn't have a Christian background. I'd been to church, at sort of chapel, at school growing up where the emphasis was on restraining your emotions, not on expressing them. And I found out when I was 18 years old that Jesus was real, that he loved me. I had a friend who told me. I'm so grateful to her. And she said to me, you need to go shut the door of your room and read the Bible and like learn to worship him. And I remember putting on a, a worship tape in my Walkman. This dates me a little bit, I know. And I remember pressing play on this and hearing these songs that just said, I will offer up my life in spirit and truth. Here I am, I love you. And I remember hearing those songs and being like, whoa. And then experiencing the love of God as I began to pray those songs and just find myself weeping and weeping and weeping. It's like God melted my heart in that moment. See, that's God's promise. As we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. We can experience intimacy and healing and freedom that comes from spending time in his presence. That's why often we put our songs in a block of singing together. We don't just have one song and sit down and one song and sit down. We want to spend time meeting with him. Sometimes we've had tough weeks, right? And it's that moment just on your own, no distractions, spending time with him that so often changes everything. I love what Kate said. You know, I come to church, it fills me up a little bit and I can get back out and do what I'm called to do in the week. I think that's a brilliant picture for why we gather in the room like we do. So fourthly, thirdly, proximity. Song of Songs 2 verse 16 says this, my beloved is mine and I am his. And then the fourth thing that happens as we worship is power. Intimacy with God releases the power of God. It's always true, always been the way. Think of Paul and Silas jailed in the middle of the night in Acts and they're locked in a prison cell and in the middle of the night they start singing hymns to God. And as they're singing, an angel appears and the chains fall off and the door swings open. It leads extraordinary freedom. But you see, intimacy, praising God in the middle of the night leads to releasing the power of God. It's really confusing. You know, I'm a church leader. We have systems for how we do things. We have liturgy. You know, we'll often have a, like a time of worship, then a talk. And then at the end, we'll then maybe pray for people at the front. And we have it quite organized. We have like a ministry team or trained for how to pray for people. But I've learned over the years, I've watched this during the worship time. I remember a few weeks ago, during the worship time, someone came forward and said, oh, I've just, I, it's very funny. I had this bad arm and now my arm's better. What do you think's happened? God doesn't seem to want to wait till the ministry time to heal people. He often seems to do it in the worship. And so for that reason, I'm like, well, let's just spend time worshiping God, you know? You can't hype this stuff up. God is present 
releases his power and it's wonderful, emotional healing, courage, freedom. So I want to encourage us to be a church that expects the power of God to work when we gather on a Sunday morning. Amen. And then the final, the fifth thing that happens as we worship in the season of singing is that it releases the prophetic. And by this, I mean P, big P, prophetic. That we live lives that start to have an impact on the world around us. Think of the great barriers to justice in our generation that Kate's spoken about this morning. Well, let me tell you a story. There was a city called Jericho that stood guarding an area of land that God had given, that God had a plan for. And the people of God were called to begin to worship. And they walked around the walls of that city. And God said, I'm going to give you that city. The walls are going to come tumbling down. And they were like, no way is that going to happen. But they were obedient. And they walked around that city for seven days, worshiping, worshiping, worshiping. And then you'll know the story on the seventh day from Sunday school. They blew the trumpets. They made as much noise as they could. And the walls came crashing down. There's something prophetic about a people who are given over to worshiping God. If you want to see breakthrough in your life, in your workplace, with that situation in your difficult boss, or um, that, that area you're longing to see change in your life, then worship has prophetic power. It's starting to realign us with heaven and say, Lord, we put you back on the throne of our lives. As we gather and worship, you come and you draw close to us and you release your power. And that in turn leads to change. It leads to a prophetic difference in the culture. You know, I believe every single one of us here is called to to make a difference. Some of you will sit with presidents. Some of you will sit with your family members, all are precious and loved by God. Every single person you're going to come in contact with this week has a purpose and a plan which God is saying, come on, I'm praying for you. Release that. So I want to encourage you that we would be a church that, 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 that covers ourselves in closeness to Jesus and then walks into the, the offices, the situations, the business deals, the schoolroom, the emergency unit, the, uh, wherever you find yourself this week and expect God through your life to make a difference in the world around you. And when we do this, honestly, I believe that the, what happens is not that we come back on Sunday and we sing a little bit louder, Not that we come back and we're like, oh, we've got some good stories to tell about what happened this week. But what happens is we learn to be a church who prioritizes worship as we release a season of singing is that it impacts the culture around us in ways you'd never have imagined. John Calvin said that Christ is the great choir master who tunes the hearts of all people to sing his praise. I want to think, I want you to think of yourself as you go out the doors today as like a tuning key. You know, when you hit a tuning key and it goes boom. Your life is meant to be like that. As you come into contact with the presence of God, you go into your industry, your creative meeting, you go into your workplace, your family situation, your school, whatever you're going to do this week, and your life resonates with the praise of God. And the impact is everybody's hearts start to become tuned to the love of God. And when we do this, you know, that's honestly for me, one of the core values for us as a church, that we'd be a worshiping church before everything else. You know, that's why we, want, we, you know, we get Kaz to make her songs into records, not because we're interested in having records, because I know I need that on a Monday morning. When I'm 
kind of thinking about my week ahead. I need to worship God. I want to sing the songs that we sang on a Sunday, on my Monday and my Tuesday and my Wednesday because I know that when I do that, something in me changes. It gives me a little bit more hope. It gives me a little more courage to do what God's calling me to do. So as we come into land today, I'm going to ask that we do something um, that we do every week, that we stand and we sing together. But I want to encourage you today as we do this, that we would expect the power of God to move in this place, that the season of singing will be released, that new things would spring up by the power of the Holy Spirit in this place. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.